0: If you got your Bibles, go with me to Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is where we're going to land today, actually begin today. Um, We're going to land in a lot of different places (laughs) today. But Psalm 46, verses 1 through 11, and it says this, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah, be still, pause, reflect That's what that word means. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then the verse that many of us have heard at one moment or another, and the verse that's creating the framework for this series, it says this in verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Today as we begin our series, Be Still, I want to speak to you from the subject, Stillness in Motion. Stillness in Motion, as we look at being still and learning how to be still, when everything around us is chaotic and hurried and in motion and has a tendency to find its way into our minds and lives. Would you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. God, I pray this morning that you'd speak to us, that you'd teach us, that you would settle our hearts and calm our minds so that we can hear what it is that you have to say to us today. God, I'm so thankful for this people, these people across all of our services today that make up the church, not the four walls, not the floor, not the carpet, not the stuff and the things, but the people. And as we gather across today, I just pray that you would speak to us right now, that they would be your words that we hear in this moment, not mine. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. Um, some time ago, probably a couple of years ago, we were hanging out as a family. It was only when, it was when we had two kiddos, Shiloh and Justice, my, my oldest son and my daughter. It was before Elle was born. We went down to uh, Gallivan Center when they had the ice sk- uh, skating rink out. Anybody looking forward to that moment? That's coming up here soon. All the holiday season. How many of you are excited for Christmas already? Okay, see. So the 10 a.m. service was adamantly against all things Christmas. So that was the Grinch service. Um, so we got more response in this service. But we were down there enjoying all the holiday festivities and I was, uh, we were ice skating and so all of us got skates and all of us were out in the rink and uh, Erica had Justice and was trying to teach him and I had Shiloh and I'm trying to teach her and, and how many of you know when you're trying to teach a little kid how to ice skate, it's just a hot mess, right? Because at the end of the day, you don't really know how to ice skate. Let's just be honest about that, right? Your, your falling is just better looking than their falling. Like, that, that's the truth of it. So we're out on the rink, and we're trying this. And so at first glance, it was like the moment that every dad longs for with his daughter. You're out there, and she was holding my hand, and she was, like, trying to do, like, you know, like, she's just skating like this. And, and it was so, like, it was so peaceful and great. I was like, oh, this is just such a good moment with my daughter. And then she falls, and it's like, oh, it's okay, baby. I'll pick you up, and I'll, I'll put you back on your skates. And then 14 times later, you're like, would you hurry up and skate already? Like, Right? <laughs> It quickly changes over, and then the 15th time you pick her up, and you're like, I'm just going to carry you. We're just going to skate this way. So we're going through all that. I was like, this is just this really cool moment. We're dodging people, and as a dad, like, I, all things dad came out of me in that moment. You know, when, if you've ever done this before with your kids, if you have kids, um, you're skating around, and, and all the, like, there's like teenagers and young adults who think they're awesome, right? On, on the skates. You know what I'm talking about? The youth section, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Like somehow you just came out of like the movie Mighty Ducks and all of a sudden like all things, all things skating is in your world. And so you're cruising by and, and these kids are like flying by like my daughter, right? They don't come near me. They like fly by her daughter. And it's like every dad, if you're like me, like you want to get violent in that moment. And you're like thinking to yourself like if I just stuck my foot out next time they came around, how would that go? And could I blame it on my daughter? And so um, <laughs> the answer to that question is... <laughs> So it's just a really cool moment. We're having fun, and we went, uh, and finally the kids were done. They were all like, I- I'm done skating, Dad. I'm cold. I'm this and that. I want hot chocolate. And it's so we're like, okay, cool. Let's go. So we're heading out, and everybody else is getting off the rink as well. Lots of people are just kind of funneling into this one door area to get out the rink. And so we sat Justice down, and we're taking his skates off. And we sat Shiloh down, and we're taking her skates off. And then you're going back and forth between the kids and everything like that. And so Erica and I were focused on Justice, and I turned around to go back to Shiloh, and Shiloh was gone. And how many of you know in that moment everything changes? Your world stops. Nothing is the same. Every bad thought that you could think comes into play. You're trying to figure out what it is that you're going to do, how you're going to deal with this situation. Where did she go? What happened? What's going on? Did somebody take her? Did I lose her? Did I? And, and the grandparents were wandering around the, the, the horde of people somewhere as well. So we knew that was in the back of our mind. And are, they with Ma- are they with grandma and grandpa? Like all this other stuff. But everything in that, motion, in that moment, if you've been in that position before, have you ever noticed that everything around you is chaotic? For some reason, people get louder. The situation gets more tense. You start arguing and fighting between the two of you and like who did what, where, ha ha ha, and all this stuff's going. But your internal world in that moment is almost like it's frozen still. It's 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 almost quiet, it's almost eerily quiet and serene in that moment. And I can't explain it. I don't know why we do that in those moments, but it was like utter chaos around me, but everything inside of me was like standing still. It was slow motion inside of me. And it was in that moment as I was thinking about this this week as I've been preparing for this message, I realized that that was the only illustration that I could bring to help us understand what Psalm 46 is saying when the writer says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. What does it look like to be in a place of stillness in here when everything around us seems like it's crumbling? This piece of scripture right here that we read in Psalm 46 is painting a very desolate picture for us, one that is in many ways magnified in the day and age that we're living in right now. Wars, desolation, pestilence, people dying, people being shot. Political parties at each other's throats, kingdoms raging, countries pushing in on each other, hatred and bitterness, and and all the things that we see in our world right now. And if we're really honest, if we could just be brutally honest, if you're like me, it feels like it's caving in on us sometimes. And that's what the writer of Psalms is saying. He's saying, listen, one, what you're experiencing is no different than what's been experienced throughout history and there's this qualifier that when everything seems like it's crumbling when it's all bad he is still good and then he enters in this equation of be still and know i am god so the question is is how do we be still because if we're honest many of us in here this morning don't know how to be still. And I'm not talking about activity, I'm talking about our minds. The stillness of our mind is something that seems to elude us and escape us because we take on so many things and we're, we're fearful and we're anxious. All these words that come up behind, behind these amazing dancers, they, they represent how many of us are feeling so many times. And, and so here we are at the beginning of this new series, Be Still. We're gonna take the next several weeks to explore the issues of the mind. Now I want to say this, before we go on, here's my qualifier. I am not a doctor. Come on, somebody said amen. (laughs) Let me repeat that. I am not a doctor. And so with all that surrounds the topic that we're about to dig into over the next several weeks, I want to make sure that no one hears something that I am not saying. And I think that the mind and the issues surrounding it are multifaceted and nuanced at best. The faculties of the human makeup are, in my opinion and belief, not meant to be at war with each other, but rather work together to bring health and vibrancy to the life that God has breathed in us and designed for us. So I'm not against medicine, I'm not against science, I'm not against any of those things. With all that being said, my job is to speak through the area of our lives that I'm called to speak into as a pastor, and that is the spiritual side. This is not the only side of our lives, as some would cause us to believe, but it is the side that I can speak into with a degree of authority and knowledge, and I want to be very clear when I say this. This series is not designed to bring shame or assess blame in any way whatsoever, actually quite the opposite. This series is meant to bring healing, hope, encouragement, and freedom to all of us as we all deal with issues pertaining to the mind. And this is why Paul would say at the, at the gate, Romans chapter 8, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I want to say to you today, if you are battling with things in the mind, I want you to know that you are in a safe place. That you are with family and we will walk this journey out together. Yeah. We'll walk this journey out together. But I also am aware that in this series as we deal with this stuff, there's going to be that little thing inside of us that wants to assess shame and blame. When certain things are said, we're going to say, oh, see, 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 there it is. And I want you, I want to go on record, out the gate, right now, that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So can we all agree that in this series we're going to work through some heavy stuff? But can we do so with a degree of faith and expectancy and hopefulness, not hopelessness? And I can tell you that our staff and our team is here to, if you're struggling in these areas, to hopefully, one, be there for you and with you, to pray with you, but also to help, help guide and help move you to the areas where we can say this is where you can receive the best help. Amen? Amen. Mother Teresa expressed it this way when she said, we need to find God, and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass grows in silence. See the stars, the moon, and the sun, how they move in in silence. We need silence to be able to touch souls. And this is why we read in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. So today I want to begin this series by looking at how we find stillness. And know God in the midst of a life that causes our minds to be frantic, hectic, and in constant motion. to shout next week. Yes. Next week you do not want to miss the series and this is not preacher hype. Okay? We're going to be looking at a part of this topic that so many of us wrestle with and so many of our friends wrestle with and that is why. Why do we struggle in this area and why some more severe than others? It's a question that causes so many of us to question God and especially His goodness. How can God, who is supposed to be good, allow me to experience this and go through this? So I truly mean it when I say this series is for everybody and it's one that you do not want to miss. Change your schedule, get here, make it to church, because we're going to work through some stuff. So with that being said, I want to look at three things today that I believe helps us find stillness in God. Even in the midst of what is a chaotic, frantic, and hectic life that so many times causes our minds to be the same. But I need your help this morning. Have a shot number one. one. The first thing that we need to learn is this, is that we need to learn to surrender our mind daily. We need to learn to surrender our mind daily. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true worship. Watch what it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may discern, why is this need to happen? So that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Notice what Paul deals with here. The conformity to the world. And I think this is one of the greatest things that we face in our minds is the conformity to the world and its happenings around us. But if you've been around church any length of time, many of us have heard this this piece of scripture reference to behavior modification. Right? We've heard it said, don't be conformed to the world. In other words, don't do bad things. Don't listen to that music. Don't go to that place. Don't be around those people. And don't do these things. And don't do this. And so all of us get internally frustrated because if we're really honest, we're like, I do all those things. (laughs) I mean, let's just be real. What do you mean Paul don't conform? I've already conformed. And while I do believe that this piece of scripture is helpful when it comes to understanding this, it's a a good application. It's actually not the totality of this application. Because this is why Paul says, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by what? Not the changing of your behavior, but the renewing of your mind. There's a different reality there. So he's speaking more to us about how we think, why, and how how we process things, why? Because it's it's in the... transforming of our mind that gives us the ability to discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect. Imperfect. We give in to the chaos, the fear, the worry, the negativity, the bitterness, hatred, and that's all just Facebook. (laughs) Come on, somebody. And if you're like me, you come up exhausted, mindfully brittle, and therefore confused, and many times unable to see what's up, down, right, from what wrong. What does conformity look like? What does it mean to, to, to have something conform? Let me illustrate it this way. I've got some friends who are females. I think the females are really, really good at this. Dudes don't do this because we just half a brain shy of a lot of things, and so. But the girls, you guys, you guys amaze me. So you, you'll see the most conservative girl, right? And uh, like, for lack of better terms, she, she's like an Abercrombie and Fitch girl, which I don't even know if anybody shops at Abercrombie and Fitch anymore, but that was cool when Eric and I were dating. <laughs> I don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, so so you'll, you'll see this girl, right, and, and, and she will, like, all of a sudden, she'll be going, like, I'm going to a rock concert. Right? And as she gets ready to go to the rock concert, she moves from wearing what she normally wears and looks how she normally wears, and then she throws an ACDC shirt on, a bunch of ripped jeans, combat boots, and she's like, I'm ready to go to a concert. <laughs> right? Change all of a sudden. Or you watch the girl who's like, and I, like, I, I love you ladies, but just go with me on this one, right? You watch the girl who's so not country. <laughs> so not country. And all of a sudden the country artist comes into town, they're at USANA, and she's got cowboy boots on, she's got a hat and a bandana, and she's like, let's go do a country dance. That is conformity. Yeah. And Paul says the interesting thing about it is that our minds do the same. So he says, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because in the world that we live in, everything bombarding us, everything coming our direction, our mind is forced to deal with things, not by rejecting them or being strong, but its tendency is to pattern itself with it, to conform to that in order to deal with it. But Paul says, don't don't allow this to happen. So we have to learn to surrender our minds daily. And in doing so, when our minds are not patterned the way the world is patterned, we actually can then go, "And what is the will of God? How How do I understand what God is doing in my life? How do I hear Him, see Him, experience Him? Well, I get to do that when my mind is surrendered daily, daily, daily. Not like every week and a half, daily. Like, oh, I forgot to surrender. <laughs> Daily. 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 So what is surrender? This isn't an academic term. This is my definition. I wrote this. <laughs> That's the qualifier. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh I'm gonna hold this definition with a grain of salt. <laughs> what is surrender? Surrender is the act of willful submission even when we don't want or desire to. It is the realization that our mind at the end of the day is not for us to control, but rather for us to commit to God. Submission is about who and what we give our minds to for leadership, control, and influence. This, unfortunately, is not something that we tend to actively think about or consider. Remember, this is a choice. and That is why so many times we do not actively engage in this thought process, because we've bought into the lie that we do not have a choice. Can I just tell you something? Theologically, God gave us free will. Hence why he says, choose me or not choose me. So we can't actively not choose God, but then say, I don't have choice in any other arena of my life. That just doesn't work. That's not Bible. That's just simple mathematics. So every single day, I've got to choose. I've got to choose. I've got to I make choices every day. Is today a bagel day or a banana day? Most times it's a bagel day, <laughs> right? And if given the opportunity, it's a donut day. Like that is, I have choice. Now I understand, this. Is what I'm saying. There's a spectrum of thought here. Understand that there are certain medical realities that are happening. But when it comes to the spiritual side of who we are, where God has authority in our lives, we have the decision to say, God, I'm submitting this to you again today. That does not make it perfect. That does not make it so thoughts don't come up and realities don't ha- and self-deprecation and, 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 and thoughts that are suicidal in nature and all that stuff. The stuff that we're talking, like the heavy, heavy stuff that we as a church have a tendency not to talk about because we're afraid of it. shouldn't be afraid of it. We should open it up and expose it to light where God's grace and hope and hand can be on it. Why? Because that's the only place then we find wholeness. But wholeness and perfection are two very different things. Two very different things. Wholeness is not perfection. We're going we're gonna to work through some of these thoughts over the next few weeks. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to surrender our minds daily. Give it up. God, today, this is yours. 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 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, twice on Monday, because it's Monday. The first thing we need to do is learn to spread our minds. Number two. Have shot number two? Number two. The second thing that we need to do is this, is that we need to learn to pay attention to the inventory of our minds. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Watch this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, watch what it says. Dwell. Dwell on these things. Other translations of the Bible would say think on these things, but I love the word dwell being used here because dwell and think, uh, dwell gives a stronger force of engagement. Just to simply think on something is one thing, but to live someplace is another. So when Paul says, dwell on these things, do what you've learned and received and heard from me and, and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Dwell on the. Allow your mind to find home in these things. That's what he's saying. Dwell. Now what a powerful reality that sets up in our minds when we learn to dwell on things. Those of us in sales this weekend would understand this in real time because inventory is such an important thing for being successful in the business of sales. Inventory is so critical because it helps a company understand what they have and what they don't have at their disposal in order to fulfill orders, right? But here's the truth. It's no different with our minds. The inventory that we have in our minds enables us to fulfill the orders that life puts on us. And depending on the inventory of our minds, our ability to navigate the life that we are living and the world around us will be either significantly diminished or substantially strengthened. What are we storing in our minds? This is an important question. What are we downloading into our minds? What are we allowing to be written onto our minds? What are we allowing to be spoken into our minds? I'm going to be honest, I listen to all kinds of music. All kinds of music. Although right now, I'm, I'm like on level 10 hype with gospel music. Like, I just love it right now. Love it right now. But, I do listen to all kinds of other things, except country. It's of the devil. Um, so... I like all kinds of music, and so sometimes, most times, we'll have worship on in our house, we'll have worship on in our car, and everything like that, but there'll be different phases, the different moments of time that I'll go through, and and I'll want to listen to other things, and so uh, recently, I've been listening to other things. I won't tell you what those other things are, because then you'll secretly judge me, and so, um, (laughs) but I've been listening to other things, and and I got up the other morning, and, and when I got up, usually when I get up, I'm like singing worship music. But I got up the other morning, and literally, I started to like, I don't sing because that would hurt people. But what I do is I, I speak out the words that I've been hearing, and I realized something the other day. It wasn't worship coming in my mouth, it was something else that I'd been listening to. And I caught myself. I was like, what was that? <laughs> that thou thus come out of thy mouth. <laughs> <laughs> T'was not worship. <laughs> T'was something else. And, and, it, and it startled me. Why? Because I had an inventory issue. I, I had an inventory issue. What's in, your, what's in your head? What's in your head? I have two, well, three... Women in my life. I mean everything to me. Two of them currently have the ability to rattle my inner world in great ways. When they see something in our house that does not belong there, of the eight legged friend. (laughs) Men, how many of you know what I'm talking about? So, we're going through the season right now as the weather changes outside, these little creepy crawlies start making their way into my house. We call them spiders, they call them demons. <laughs> right? Like, it's amazing how the tiniest, little of things can cause my wife to break out into a praise dance. Have you ever seen this before? Like, right? I'm like, worship him, baby. Go, go. Hallelujah. Right? But it's not a praise dance. <laughs> it is a it is a fear for her life dance. <laughs> And my daughter is now catching on to this. She's doing, this, she's doing the same thing, and she will, like, she will go off if she sees a spider. So a couple weeks back, she was yelling, like screaming, like you thought somebody was abducting her from, from the house, and I ran down there. She's like, there's a spider, ah, there's a spider. So I'm like ripping off her covers, right? And I'm like throwing her out of the way, and I'm like, where's the spider? And she's like, it's on there. And she had like this veil, this princess veil over her bed, and I looked up and I was like, oh, that's a spider. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the biggest spider I've ever seen. And so I leaned over to her and I was like, baby, you can yell for that spider, <laughs> right? But they, they go off. They, they, they're like this internal alarm system within our home for these, these spiders. And here's the question. I wonder if we have the same alarm system in our mind when there's things entering in that do not belong there. Let's, let's call them spiders. Hashtag head spiders. Right? We all have them. They all get in. The question is, is do we know that they're in there? Or do we start freaking out when we realize something's crawling in and around in there that shouldn't be there? See, every season of our lives will cause certain things to try and make their way into our minds. The question is, is do we have the ability to navigate those things, and that's why Paul says pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. Do you know that that inventory alone could change all of our lives? See, the wrong inventory causes us to deal with the pressure of life, the feelings of our situations, and the confusion of our feelings in a way that becomes unproductive, unhealthy, and sometimes dangerous. the the, the spiders can start to take over. Watch what Psalm 6, 1 through 10 says. I I believe this this right here is gonna bring some freedom to some of our lives. Psalm 6, 1 through 10, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. This is David speaking. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaken with terror. And you, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, rescue me. Save me because of your faithful love. For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you in Sheol? I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My eyes are swollen from grief. They grow old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all evildoers, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. Not his praise, his weeping. The Lord has heard my plea for help. And he accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and shake with terror. They will turn back and suddenly be disgraced. This was King David. The guy so many of us can look at as we look at the Bible like many other characters. And we believe they float everywhere they go. We call them saints and we call them all these things. Can I just tell you something and I want you to hear me clearly when I say this today. Every single character within scripture minus Jesus is just like us. Jesus was perfectly whole. Jesus was perfectly good. Jesus was perfectly perfect. He was offered upon a cross, died for you and me, bled the way that he bled so that imperfect people, broken people, messed up people could come to him in our weariness, in our brokenness, in our futility, in our mind battles, all of it. And we could stand before the cross and he declares us righteous. That is the gospel. Yeah, right. Can I just say something today? If you don't know the gospel like that and you believe you've matured, <laughs> you never mature past the gospel. Yeah. You never mature past the gospel. David battled just like we do. And for, men, for many of us, David battled in way more significant ways. David battled a lot of stuff in his mind. We're going to talk about some of these guys and some of the things that they dealt with. The depression would consume him, the fear would subdue him, the insecurity would cripple him, the doubt would set in, and the destructiveness of his mind would fight against him. And in order to battle, he had to take inventory of his mind. Now, with all that being said, watch what the Bible says about David in Acts chapter 13, 21 through 22. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. After removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. Watch what they said. I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out all my will. Even with all of the stuff that David was experiencing, he was still considered a man after God's own heart. And what I find interesting is that so many times we allow to define what's happening, we allow what's happening in here to define who we are in God. And God said, no, 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 (laughs) no. What happens in here doesn't define you. What happened here. What happened here defines you. It's the cross. we have to take inventory of what's up here. What is this thing telling you? And the third one is this, number three. We need to learn to guard our minds. We need to learn to guard our minds. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-7 says this, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. See, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against what? The knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Think about that. We're taking every thought that is in here, we take it captive and we bring it into obedience to Christ. So we need to learn to guard our minds. And one of the ways that we guard our minds is by realizing that we can't always believe or trust everything that we think. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Because there's some stuff that comes out of here, right? My daughter, like we love my daughter. We've never told my daughter she's stupid. We've never told my daughter any one of those things. But if she gets in trouble, she's literally hauled off before, started screaming and yelling, I'm so stupid, I'm such a horrible person. She's six, seven. And quickly, mom and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Because we will not allow that thing, wherever it came from, to define who you are. Because no one's spoken that over you. What happens is our minds speak stuff over us. Why? Because of the conformity of the world. Certain patterns. In multiple verses throughout the Bible, we find that it says a lot about our minds. Watch what it says. Our minds are, at times, this is going to come up on the screen right now. No verses, just there they are. <laughs> our time our minds at times are confused, Deuteronomy 28, 20. Anxious and closed, Job 17, 3 through 4. Our minds are evil and restless. Ecclesiastes 2, 21 through 23. They are rash and deluded. Leviticus 4, 5, 4 Isaiah 32:4. Our minds can be troubled minds. 2 Kings 6:11. They can be depraved minds. First Timothy six, five, they could be sinful minds, Romans eight, seven. There's more of them up, they could be troubled minds, dull minds, blinded minds, corrupt minds. These are just a few of the things that the Bible says about our minds. Yet it's amazing how many times we trust our minds over we anything else. Because it came from here all of a sudden it's right. So here's what I believe. I actually think that guarding our minds is a double-sided objective. I actually think that guarding our minds happens when we learn to guard from what can get in it, and other times we are guarding ourselves from what can come out of it. Take every thought captive. In other words, capture it, conquer it, cause it to obey God by the submission of it we've got to guard our minds I don't know if you're like me but I always as a, as, a, as a husband and as a father and as a man I so many times in my life daydream about what it would look like to guard my house I don't know why I think about like, what would happen if this like if this happened Like if somebody's like, how would I like ninja move them and stuff like that? Like, I don't even know how to do that. Remember one night we have an alarm system in our house, and it was connected to our back gates, and one night, I don't even know, it was like two o'clock in the morning. We had been asleep, and all of a sudden the alarm starts going off. And before it lets you know like what just happened. So the alarm system speaks to us and goes, West Gate open. Woo woo! And it like goes off. And it's loud and it's chaotic and it's crazy. So I'm, all, I'm in my just like sports shorts, basketball shorts. I run out and I'm like fumbling through the darkness to try to find some sort of stick or a knife or something like that. Run out the back door to the west gate not realizing what I'm doing. And all the while I'm thinking to myself, if I, do I have the moves necessary to defend right now against an intruder in my house? And that's what guarding our minds is. Constantly being aware that things want to get in that don't belong there. We've got to guard them. We've got to protect them because they're powerful. This is in fact a very introductory message when it comes to this series. We're going to explore a lot more over the coming weeks. And my prayer is that today's message simply gives us a glimmer of hope when it comes to dealing with the issues that we face in our minds. Jesus loves you. We love you. And we have a place called home to walk this out no matter where we're at in the journey. No matter what you're struggling with. You have a place to walk this out with dignity, with hope, with love, And come on, church, with a family. That's what the church is. It's a home. It's not an institution. It's a home no matter where you're coming from and no matter what you're dealing with. And my prayer is this today, that at the outset of this Be Still series, that all of us, no matter where we're at, would be able to be still and know that He is God. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you stand your feet with me in this moment?